Machute Mate recognizes the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and any indigenous elders of other communities who may be listening today. We stand in solidarity in their struggle towards the colonization and land back. Buenas mi gente, what is good? Machete Mate, back with the current events, back with the whole team again. So we've been able, we managed to string a few of these together, which is a plus. We're stepping in the right direction. Um, we're all fucking tired today, so we'll see how good we actually are. But um, again, it's a labor of love, man. We do this out of the kindness of our heart. We do this because we love it and we just like hanging out because, you know, we're just three guys who like to hang out, just like um, Fidel and, and Hugo Chavez. But yeah, thanks That's for right. tuning in. Um Again, if you if you enjoy what we do here and want to give us more incentive to you know get our shit better together, um, please show your solidarity on our Patreon, patreon.com slash machetemate. You'll get access to all the good stuff, so the book club, the Discord community, um, what I'm missing here, the After Darks um, have been fire recently, because um, I know maybe not maybe not now, but in the future, Tio will have some great After Dark content. We just had a little bit of a chat, you know, oh. off camera, but... We're playing it safe now. Maybe in a couple of months down the road, when it's more established, we'll be able to have those conversations. Um, but yeah, um, I'm Leroy, coming from Norm in in so-called Melbourne, Australia. Like I said, I'm here with the homie T. What's good, man? How's it going, y'all? And of course, the homie Austin. What's good, bro? What's up, buddy? Which also, I feel like I forget to add sometimes, coming here from so-called Virginia, which is a bullshitty colonizer name for this beautiful, beautiful place that I inhabit, which was once inhabited by the Rappahannock peoples. 100%. Very, 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 very true. Um, but speaking of which, I forgot. It was T. It was your birthday today as well. And you, y'all got to see a bit of the beautiful Virginia country that Austin just talked about. Austin, you look like you were having the fucking time of your life, man. Oh yeah, I mean it was a blast. So like, uh, yeah, my birthday was uh recently uh, was re- was recently. Jeez, look, yeah, we're tired, all right. My birthday was recent. Um, Austin came out uh to visit us in, here in uh, Charlottesville, and we went on a hike because I we fucking love hikes. Hike uh, we were with um, yeah, exactly. We were with uh Molly, um, uh, friend of the show Molly, um, and the two the two little boys, uh, Otto and Buck. And we just went around, uh, on a really cool hike. Saw, saw a waterfall, a fucking cave, all that good shit. Fantastic. Go ahead, Austin. Yo. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Oh my goodness. If I could briefly chime in. Wow. Absolutely. It was amazing. Right. I'm hiking pilled, right. For any of our patrons, they would be familiar with the phrase cave pilled right now hold on hold on if you're not a patron you don't you don't know what i'm talking about so if you're curious about what the hell cave pilling means oh it means something if you're curious about what cave pilling means subscribe to our patreon maybe you'll find out right because i must say not only am i hiking pilled leroy i might just be cave pilled i might i might just be cave pilled that's that's awesome 
See, we should go on a, like a, a grand tour of, of caves. So it's like a cave pill show. Like I said, the, the caves in Puerto Rico, the Cuerda de Camuy, those are fantastic. We should, we'll take this cave pilling on the road, man. We'll do the, our live shows from the caves. That'd be, that'd be incredible. <laughs> and to, and to, Yo, to no please tea even more, to please tea even more, we can go to the catacombs in Rome. There's some good church history there and shit as well. Oh, live show from there. We don't. No, we, Leroy, when we were on the hike, we were literally mentioning, we were like, yo, I bet there's like amazing hikes in like Australia and shit. Like we got to like yeah. go there. We're like with Leroy, go to the Outback or whatever. Go to the Northern Territory, right? Isn't that a thing? You go over there, Alice Springs. Clearly Alice there's Springs. some sort of Springs that was so notable. It wouldn't, it was named for the city. So for Alice, let's exactly. go see the Springs. The poisonous <laughs> snakes and spiders and, and shit and fucking like poisonous monotremes and shit. No, but dope. If you guys come Bro. in, we'll, we'll, we'll go camping. We'll go hiking. Bro, we'll, we'll go, go caving. We'll go Perhaps. spelunking, dare I say. We'll save the spelunking for the real Machete Matista Cadre. Yeah, for the for the for the true G's. Well, I'm doing okay. Thanks for asking. Um <laughs> <laughs> I have not visited any caves. I have not hiked. I've been doing the whole family thing and um just chilling. Weather's been up and down. Weather was freaking shit cold as fuck yesterday. Then it's beautiful today. Um, which is good for my plants. Um, little ones are doing good. My plants are doing good. My corn's growing, which is pretty, pretty exciting. And speaking of growing, what's up? Are you still in? Are you still? Are you still in lockdown? Yes. Fuck. It's but it's it's not like I was saying. It's based on like the percentage of like double dosing. So the sooner people get double dose, we'll reopen. So things are slowly reopening. Um, like I said to you. Like not too long ago, Gladys Berejiklian, and the former premier of New South Wales, resigned because of corruption investigation. And the new guy is this self-proclaimed devout Catholic pro-family guy. So super conservative. So he's like, yeah, fuck this shit. We're going to open or whatever. And even though all the health experts are um, saying this is a pretty, pretty fucking bad idea to just open just like that because there's still cases sort of everywhere. But what can you do, man? What can you do? But like I was saying... Talking about growing corn, it is it's the Indigenous Day. Indigenous People's Day. Indigenous People's Day. Um, not right. not fucking Columbus Day. Um, no. And in saying that, obviously, you know, we've I was kind of very clear with Austin when we first planned this that we're going to have our um, land recognition at the beginnings. Um, we would talk about plural nationalism. We would talk about you know being our sort of ideology and sort of our thought being you know big formation of that comes from, you know, Mariategui and his indigenous socialism, his conception of socialism as a, of there being a true indigenous-led American socialism. Um, so everything we do here is guided with that, with the with the idea of indigenous people, us being on occupied indigenous land, us going back to that. We talk about when we read it all the time, that is a fundamentally, you know, that in mind. Austin, you had something to say? Yes, absolutely. Um I wanted to contribute to this just the just a little personal anecdote here, right? Which is that I remember the first time I ever heard about the concept of Indigenous Peoples Day or once again removing Columbus Day was from radical leftist governments in Latin America. I remember being young and seeing Venezuela rename their fucking holiday from I and it's it's common in Latin American countries 
for this day that in the United States is referred to as Columbus Day to be recognized as Dia de la Raza, right? Like a weird mestizo glorification thing. Yeah. Um, Venezuela had this similar concept, right? Day of the race or whatever. They changed it to day. I think it was day of indigenous people's rage. Something amazing like that. Right. And shit like that is so important, right? It's so important to remember the role that indigenous peoples and movements play within our society, right? I think, dare I say, maybe we should give indigenous peoples more than just a fucking day, right? Maybe we should give them their fucking land back. But I, you know, that makes mm. that make white people a little uncomfortable, you know. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know, bro. I, see I hear that's what's un- up. I hear that's on Marxist though. <laughs> Look, you know, on that note about you know more than just a day, you know, it's become pretty common. Um, you know, even something like land acknowledgments has become very common for, um, you know, left wing groups to do a land acknowledgement or I mean, even fucking Biden declared Indigenous Peoples Day today. Right. Yeah. But we know that these rhetorical statements are nothing. They're nothing without actual concrete political practice backing them up without that concrete political practice. They are just rhetoric Um, or they're a way for, you know, people like Joe Biden, for example, to try to either I wouldn't even say co-opt it because he's not even they're not even fucking involved in trying to like, uh, you know, support their, you know, indigenous movements. But it's it's almost like a way to sort of, you know, they make they make the rhetorical point to say, oh, I'm with the people I'm I support their struggle. No, you don't. No, you don't. Um, so everything, you know, everything that people say has to be backed up with some fucking, uh, with some fucking action. Yeah, hundred percent. And I'm glad you mentioned Biden declaring Indigenous Peoples Day because as he was doing that, there was Indigenous people outside the the White House protesting. And what did you see the pictures? Got the freaking like state oh, police yeah. coming down and like arresting them, dragging them away as they're protesting for this very thing that they're proclaiming. And I think we've, we need to be very, very clear as well when we sit here and talk about commemorating and holding up, you know, indigenous folks, we're talking about this globally. So not only in the United States, but across all the Americas here in Australia, like New Zealand and across the world. You know what I mean? Because again, we like to talk about like our movement being an international one. Settler colonialism is an international fucking like ideology as well. So when we talk about this, we talk we talk about the internationalism of indigenous folks as 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 well. I know that we were literally just talking about off air whether we were going to talk about where when and where and if we were going to mention this, but this just feels like such a nice moment to say this that I feel compelled to, which is. Shout out the homies at the Red Nation, right? Talking about mm-hmm. Indigenous Peoples and Indigenous Peoples Day, right? They were very kind to have me on recently where we talked about a lot of beautiful things, including land back, right? Including the way Indigenous Peoples have played a role in the Latin American socialist movement, obviously, right? If you're a Machete Matista, you already knew that. Um, but when that episode drops, which it will drop soon, wow, our people's head's going to explode for all the right reasons. You are all you are all going to love it. In fact, I can't wait until you both, Leroy and T, until you hear this episode. It's actually a work of art, dare I say. Um, but yes, we'll, yeah. you will hear that when it happens. Yeah, hundred percent. Can't wait for that. Like, and and to be clear, like me and T don't even know what's what was talked about because Austin's keeping it a secret. Yeah. I'll just wait till it comes out. You're like you'll you'll love it. So we're we're in as much dark as as the rest of y'all are. Um, 
but like before we move on though like i think one of my favorite anecdotes anecdotes like growing up and talking about you know quote unquote Columbus Day or whatever is you get the people, all the Puerto Ricans or the Latin Americans talking about like, yeah, you know, Columbus was bad, this and that, whatever. But, you know, if it wasn't for him, our culture wouldn't be this and blah, 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 and all that bullshit. And like, you sit there and think about it, like for our, because again, like I'm, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm proud of being Puerto Rican. You guys know how I feel about our culture. Like I like, and I love our culture, but I would give up my culture now knowing what it, came from you know what i mean because i can't i like could you imagine like if you have these foreign invaders from like space come down raping everybody burning down villages killing people enslaving people like and my son looks at me goes oh dad what's going on oh don't worry because in 500 years the culture is going to be beautiful like like you know what i mean that's like it's it's a mind-boggling it's mind-boggling but um anyway yo what's up sorry real quick self-hate that's the first phrase that comes to my mind, yeah. self-hate. It's amazing, the self-hatred. The begrudging of, okay, yeah, he did all this fucked up things, but, you know, those Europeans, they did introduce, you know, this, blah, blah. No, shut the fuck up, right? That's yeah. what I just hear, self-hate. Yeah, and it's, it's the whole concept of mestizaje and Latinidad, whatever, particular mestizaje, mm-hmm. but that's a whole another fucking can of worms. Um, but anyway, we'll keep the ball rolling, but I guess staying in the same sort of uh, vein and talking about, you know, indigenous folks, like... Shit's going down in Bolivia as well. Um, the fascist government, uh, the, the fascist there led by, um, uh, what's his name, Fernandez Camacho, the, the fucking crystal fascist pro Añez person who's governor of Santa Cruz, came out and like organized these, you know, were meant to be these blockades of roads and of traffic, whatever. They're going to do like a boss's lockout um, in protest of the, quote, treatment of Añez, whatever. And they're supposed to paralyze the, the government. It didn't fucking work out. The police actually came out and were moving the barricades and letting people go to work. So their entire thing collapsed. The entire thing was just a fast reaction to, again, what they feel has been taken away from them, right? Their 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 God-given right to rule Bolivia as they see fit as, you know, the you know, the, the real Bolivians, you know, being white, being fashion, whatever. Um, I don't know if you guys want to say anything about that, but it looks like it's 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 winding down. Um, I saw a video today. I think there's a video going around that one a, a journalist interviewed one of these fascists that was, you know, setting up the blockades. They're asking him like, "So, like, what are you doing out here? Like, what's the purpose?" He goes, "Oh, I don't really know what the purpose is, but like, all I know is I'm out here um, putting up the blockades, and yeah, we can't have this." But he, he couldn't, he couldn't articulate, he, he couldn't even bullshit to articulate what what, what they were doing. You want to know what my thought about this is, Leroy? My thought about this is that I hate fascists. I hate them. I hate them deeply. And not just that, the conquest in Latin America never fucking ended, right? Which is why you see these foul motherfuckers, these foul white Bolivian motherfuckers who feel that they are emboldened enough to do shit like this, right? Who feel like they can just sabotage society however fuck they want, right? Because of their fucking birthright, right? It's that deeply diseased conquistador shit which literally never left latin america so fuck fascists fuck these fuck these settler colonial fucks right and definitely fuck these right-wing bolivians right that all goes without saying right these are all undertones we've touched upon in the past but once again you ask me my thoughts on this story that's my thoughts go ahead t i uh, you know honestly this is they are weak I think this is a demonstration of their weakness. Um, If they're, you know, even like, so 
after the coup failed, you know, the Bolivian right wing is starting to break up and divide. They're feuding with each other just as yeah. much as they're trying to attack the government. They have nowhere near the uh, political strength that uh, indigenous and socialist organizations had in Bolivia, which, you know, they you know, they did, they do the classic Bolivian practice of shutting down the highways, shutting down the roads, something that, as we've talked about on the show before, goes back centuries. Yeah. It go, that tactic goes back centuries of starving the cities out, essentially. To Pocatari. Right wing in Bolivia, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It goes back to Qatari. Um, the right wing in Bolivia, like any other fascist, what they do is what, you know, one of the essences of fascism is that they observe tactics and behaviors of the left and they and they basically they imitate them in the service of reactionary ends but they're so weak in bolivia that they can't do it they can trials they trial they might and they and they can't do it every time we hear another one of these stories of a fash demonstration in bolivia or some kind of right-wing activity it's smaller and smaller and smaller they're weak i am incredibly um optimistic about bolivia's future yo you mentioned, right, they're so scattered, smaller, all that stuff. Totally agree. Here's what I would like to remind folks. You know, you mentioned well, what maintained the left in power in Bolivia, those indigenous social movements. Those indigenous social movements, which form the backbone of MAS, continue to. I would just like to remind folks, it was this small, scattered band of charlatans, of foul motherfuckers, that the United States literally put in power. These people right. were prepared to wage a decades-long genocide. Let's yeah. not sugarcoat that for a second. These people were in power. These clowns. These are the people that the United States works with. And why? It's what we call, I think we've called in the past, the iron law of capitalism, right? That in a place like Latin America, that has been chosen by the world order to be exploited in perpetuity. What that means is that you're going to fuel social revolts because of the inequality. And what happens when those social revolts come around? Global capital or the United States needs local benefactors to help suppress those social revolts. Who better than the descendants of conquistadors who've been in this land waiting to suppress black and brown people? So once again, you know, you mentioned they're a joke because they are just like the Venezuelan opposition. But these are the people that the U.S. government is funneling millions to. Is providing endless resources to, right? And for, for Bolivia got lucky, right? Look at countries in the 20th century that didn't get so lucky, where yeah. the clowns stayed in power, where the clowns ran roughshod for decades. Guatemala, which is still paying still. for electing our bands, right? My God, Haiti, how dare you elect Aristide, right? Let's put these clown show motherfuckers in power instead. Woo! Got your boy's blood pressure raised off the bat. Sorry, go ahead, Leroy. Talking about conquistadors and talking about them feeling scattered and them feeling smaller every time. It's it's really interesting seeing them reach out to Spaniards in real time. Because what we're seeing as well is Vox growing in power. Even random like conservative Spaniards talking about how the growth of indigenismo in Latin America is a direct attack that is, you know, Hispanidad. You know what I mean? How they think by indigenous people coming out and saying, you know what, maybe we should have a say. They feel like it's some sort of reverse genocide against them because they understand what the fuck they did to Latin America. So when people like us, even if we have some fucking 
like far removed, you know, indigenous blood or whatever. And the fact that we're sitting here advocating for, you know, indigenous power to them, it's a direct attack against them. You you have Spanish on the other side, you know, literally like what's there's this, there's this fucking dickhead, like right wing journalist from Spain who was writing, he was, I forget what the fuck his name, but he's being indicted. He's in prison, whatever, in Bolivia, whatever the fuck. But the fact that they're actually looking across the ocean to fascist Spaniards, like, you know what I mean? Dude, God damn it. We could talk about this forever. So like, yo, it's amazing to me. Once again, for people in the United States, you got to recognize just how cravenly and blatantly both pro-US and pro-Spaniard a lot of the Latin American right wing is like, they're literally like caricatures of like conquistador descendants. Like, like this is some serious shit. And not just that we in the left in the United States should recognize what these fascists in Spain have recognized, which is who are the people playing the vanguard role of the left in South America right now? Indigenous peoples. That's the fuck who, right? The biggest, dare I say, the biggest gains that the left has made in the 21st century have been led by indigenous peoples, right? And there's a lot of fucking reasons for that, right? We should recognize and uplift that, right? Because guess what? The right wing recognizes that and it makes them fucking crazy. Yep. It's an example. It's an example of that fascist international we always talk yeah. about. Um, the, the, the fashion, fact, the that, fashion uh, turn. Yeah, exactly. The, fa- the fashion turn, the, the fact that the Vox party in Spain can recognize, you know, recognize who their friends are and who their enemies are is a perfect example of the paradoxical nature of fascism as both a nationalist movement, quote unquote, and an internationalist movement. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think on that note, like the nationalism here comes in the fact that the Spaniards realize that the people in power, like in these or the, the, the fash in Latin America are direct descendants of Spaniards and like of Europeans. So for them, they're just one big white European, you know, nation. You know what I mean? Um, but again, last headline before we go, kind of on the same vein, um, T, you shared an interesting article. I don't think it's anything novel that we talked about, but we on the show, we've talked a bit before um, about the 43 um, student teachers of Ayotzinapa. So they're part of the that indigenous sort of uh, left-wing rural teacher school um they had gone into the, to one of the big cities for a conference or something they legit in broad daylight were like their buses were stopped they were taken off their buses and they f- have fucking disappeared and for years now this happened i think 2014 and for like seven years quote unquote no one knows what's happened there's been investigations with nothing i think anyone paying attention knew w- what was up it was either the cartels and or the police and or the state um, they made them disappear because you, here you have a group of indigenous people, you know, basically talking about things like we talk about, like land back. They were talking about, you know, egalitarianism. They're talking about, you know, this indigenous led socialism in these rural regions. And then when you have like the, the successful Sabatistas down the street as well, they couldn't have that. Um, but basically evidence has come out to prove what we I think what we all like always knew. Um, I think it was text messages, T, if I'm not mistaken, that basically shows like correspondence between like cartels and cops about this. Yeah, we have, this is a really hard story um, to go over. Uh, Like you said, we kind of always suspected 
that there was uh, collaboration between the drug uh, traffickers and the local police departments. Uh, I mean, and this is something that is known. I mean, I believe, uh, take, for example, the old cartel group Los Zetas. They mm. were ex-army uh, guys, from, if I remember correctly. Yeah, pretty sure. Ex-army or ex yeah, um, that became their own institution of drug traffickers. Um, now, the difference, though, with this recent story is that we now have hard evidence. We have text messages from the police chief to cartel leaders, and it's absolutely blood curdling. Yeah, um, I'm not going to quote from it. I really don't want to. It's just it's really hard uh, reading. If you can stomach it, uh, there was a article from the Daily Beast about it, um, and I mean. Just I'll, I'll just read one line from the uh, from the story. It's not it's from the story. It's not from the text messages. But um, this is a quote from the article. Um, Police chief uh, Salgado uh, then quote Salgado then wrote that 21 of the students were being held on a bus. Lopez responded by arranging a transfer point on a rural road near the town, saying he had he had beds to terrorize the students in. OK. Now, that alone um, is is pretty hard to think about, and the messages only get worse from there. Um, now, this is a perfect example of just kind of the way um, the way organized crime syndicates like drug cartels. I'm not talking about like the guy on the corner, you know what I mean? I'm talking about what is essentially big capitalist firms that operate in uh, illegal markets, okay? Yeah. It's something very different um, from the guy on the corner, you know what I mean? Um, these giant organized crime syndicates like the drug cartels of Mexico are, are, capital are, are capitalists as well, um, quite brutal, and they're willing to do the work of the state, right? They're willing to do the work of the Mexican state that they uh, basically want to avoid having their, their guys with badges do, you know, they, and this is a classic example of, of actually how fascism works in a society. Basically the, the state will outsource some of its brutality to non-state actors um, in order to get what they want. And like I said, it's really hard reading. If you have a, you know, if, you have a strong spirit. Um, do look into this. It's it's really disturbing, and honestly, we can only hope that um, the families and friends and comrades of these students get some sort of justice out of this. So yeah, you know, Godspeed. One hundred percent. And there's a couple of good um, documentaries about this that um, I I think I saw one on Netflix. So you can find it. Definitely watch them because it is it is informative of you know, these programs of these teachers and what they do like in their communities and how the state and how these cartels of Mexico like operate. It's, it's quite illuminating in how, you know, Mexican society works. Um, but we'll keep the ball rolling to our main stories. Um, talking about Peru, Honduras, and Puerto Rico today. But big shakeup in Peru, Guido Bellido of Pedro Castillo's Peru Libre, so the political party, the badass who gave his maiden speech as prime minister in Congress in Quechua is out. Mirta Vasquez of Frente Amplio is in. Pedro Castillo stated, quote, it is time to put Peru above ideologies. Today we have decided to accept the resignation of president of the Council of Ministers, Guido Bellido, whom I thank for his services, end quote. 
He went on to say, I've decided to make decisions in favor of governance, the balance of powers in the bridge between the rule of law and democracy. We ratify Peru's commitment to private investment, stressing the need for it to operate without corruption and social responsibility. End quote. Um, so not great. Not great. A bit disappointing. Um, seems like a little bit of a capitulation to, you know, the more capitalist going to moving away from the left-wing groups, moving away from what we had hoped. Um, I mean, we could sit here and talk about like cynicism or electoralism to begin with. Um, but that's a whole kind of worms. I want to talk about more about this specific story and what we see, what, what we think this means. I don't know who, if anyone wants to kick it off here, but um, Austin, you go for it, bro. Wow, a lot of different things that I'd love to, to say about this story here. And, you know, Leroy, you began to talk a little bit about the limits of, you know, electoralism. I think that's obviously part of this conversation to a certain extent. Um, but I would just want to say right off the bat, you know, I went to Peru, right? I met Pedro Castillo. I met some of these people, right? And like, I, you know, I've always championed Peru Libre, championed Pedro Castillo, and I will continue to do so, right? But from the outset, and in every conversation we've had about Peru and about this this historical moment, what have we always emphasized? What have I always emphasized? I think two things in particular. The importance of a new constitution and the difficulty of breaking through the right-wing hegemony, which yeah. is so deeply entrenched in Peru as it manifests itself within the Peruvian Congress, right? Those two things we've mentioned in every single story about Peru. Right. And why was it that Peru gave us such enthusiasm, like a burst of adrenaline to see what happened in Peru? Because it's fucking Peru, because we knew it would be tough because we knew it wouldn't be easy. Right. Because we knew business interests would be would be doing whatever the fuck they could to sabotage a Castillo administration. Right. Yeah. And that's what the fuck they're doing. You know, and that's not to say that this isn't bad. Of course it's bad. It's not to say this isn't disappointing. Of course it's disappointing. But I also urge caution against any sort of knee-jerk reactions, right? We're what, three fucking months in? Let's take some time, people. Let's see how this story continues to unfold. I still emphasize the Constitution is what is most critical. Now, I'm not a fucking naive motherfucker, right? Um, I recognize that getting a new Constitution through becomes more difficult right with the once again with signs like this that it is very that it is this difficult for castillo and peru libre to break through the right-wing hegemony that exists in peru i once again i still remain hopeful right and this is a story that we will continue to cover but there's a lot of different angles that i know we could all take this uh, go ahead t so honestly i am a little less optimistic about this situation than you are, Austin. Um, it has the shades of Umala all over it. Now, I could be jumping the gun, of course, uh, but let's uh, let's kind of like think about how we got to this point. This is because the uh, Castillo administration was they they were proposing nationalizations uh, in the country. Now. The Congress and the reactionary press in Peru lost their fucking minds, as they do. Matter of fact, the uh, Peruvian Congress uh, Congre opposition leaders released a joint statement decrying this, quote, authoritarian move by the Castillo administration. Now, keep in mind that 
they haven't done any nationalizations yet, okay? Just saying that, just proposing that, apparently was an authoritarian move, which, you know, this is one of my hobby horses. I find that word to be one of the most useless words in the entire political lexicon. Um, it's just, I, I find it pointless. If, if, any, if everybody from, like, far-right reactionaries can use can use it um as part of you know to fucking beat their opponents with a cudgel then you know it's lost all meaning if it had any meaning in the first place um but what what's interesting to me what this is an example of is something that you mentioned austin on your return from peru which is that it which is the inexperience of a lot of the peru libre cadres now this is not an insult to them this is this is not me attacking them in many respects because i mean this is an example of these are regular working class class people that suddenly found themselves in power i think you had said imagine if your local like i don't know like dsa chair suddenly was in congress right across the country that's pretty much what happened um now we have to keep in mind too that it's not just the foreign minister that was dismissed it's not just the prime minister that's been dismissed. There's been seven cabinet positions that have been changed now. Nah. All far left members of the cabinet have been dismissed. Okay, key into key ministries like um, mining, the very important mining ministry, production, labor, education, interior, and culture. All of those ministers have been dismissed. Not to mention, and this is from Reuters. Um, this is a quote from a Reuters article about it. Um, they, uh, interviewed, I guess they got a statement from a, uh, spokesperson from JP Morgan <laughs> quote, JP Morgan said the move along with confirmation of central bank head Julio Velarde earlier this week would help the government build bridges with the centrist parties in Congress, avoid extreme agendas and lower market risk. Internal quote, the political actions unveiled this week should help to mollify the multiple concerns that have weighed on local assets in the last four months. End quote. The bank added. That's troubling, man. The global capital is very pleased with this. So, I mean, it's it's hard to say. I get, you know, urging caution into immediately dismissing anything that comes out of the Castillo administration. But this is, I'm not, I, I mean, I'm disappointed. I'm not optimistic in this. So, once again, I totally agree, right? I would emphasize I'm also, I think this is genuinely disappointing right i would also say the quote you you bring out from like some of like the financial press or whatever the fuck or jp morgan all that shit i mean castillo would probably say that's the whole point right getting them to get the fuck off my back right i'm happy that they're saying things like that so that the right wing in peru is not trying to fucking coup my ass right now once again whether that's a good strategy or not is a different conversation entirely right obviously it is not a strategy that i would favor right but something i would also add is that i think you're exactly right you know the inexperience is a a big part of this story right and is also a big part of why i personally urge you know caution now what the fuck do i mean by that all i'm saying is I'm personally not throwing in the towel just yet, right? I think that in Peru, once again, this was always going to be tough, right? This was never going to be, or excuse me, this was always going to be an uphill battle, right? You know, and not just that, you know, you mentioned Ollanta Humala, right? I think that's a comparison a lot of folks have made, and I totally get it. I would point out, going back to why inexperience is more important, Umala was a man from the military, Umala was educated in France. 
just yeah. a fundamentally different guy and different background yeah. from Pedro Castillo, right? Yeah. I I think once again, I I think that for me the the bigger difficulty here is not or the the story here is not a betrayal of the people. The story here is the strength of the right wing hegemony in Peru, right? And once again, I go back to the election itself, Pedro Castillo and Keiko Fujimori. Wow. Imagine if Keiko was elected. Mm, damn. Devastatingly bad. Which is why I once again emphasize the fact that Castillo beat her is such a massive W still in and of itself. A W to be celebrated across the hemisphere, I would argue, right? So this is not to make excuses. This is not to... to this is not to provide uncritical support to the Castillo administration, right? <laughs> this is once again just an attempt... To introduce some nuance into the conversation, go ahead, T. Look, real quick point um, uh, to your to your uh, words about like coup uh, possibilities. Beyudo himself, um, at his dismissal, he had a press conference. This is a quote: um, "Quote the people are a witness to the manner in which, above the state, there are powerful forces that govern, pressure, exactly. coerce, denounce, and persecute. Even if the president changes." These forces appear to be permanent and have captured the justice system, using it to criminalize all their political opponents. End quote. Hey, maybe maybe the Shining Path had a point. I said it. I said it. <laughs> Just kidding. Just Oof. kidding. They totally didn't have a point. Thanks, they folks. Totally um, see you next point. time. Um, um, first of all, T, look at you with all the quotes all prepared and shit um, this week. That's that's really that's. What's that supposed? To I was gonna say that's different than usual. Yeah, that's that's good. No, it's 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 it's, it's been it's been a credit and a benefit to the show. Thanks for that. Um, but no, no, but like, oh my god, like in all seriousness, Austin, to your point, it's this is this as disappointing as it is, it's still preferable to a Fujimori presidency. Like you know what I mean? And I think personally, for me, I'm probably the most when it comes to like electoralism, whatever. I'm probably the most pessimistic like cynical out of the three of us i think so when i see things like this and people are like oh like you see and blah 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 and i knew it and blah blah like if like if if you knew these things will happen then why are you making such a big deal out of it it's like when people when people look at aoc and she does something disappointing goes ha ha aoc and blah 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 i'm like if you if we if we know that she's part of the capitalist liberal democratic fucking weak system and that she's going to do these things why are you upset? Why are you up in arms? Like, okay, this is this is something that's going to happen before Austin oh. loses fucking mind. Thank you. You hit the nail on the head there. This is what I'm talking about when I talk about right-wing hegemony in Peru. To any assholes I see, which I have seen, trying to like dance on the grave and ha-ha, you see, I told yeah, you. Told you. <laughs> to, to me, to me, it's like you just said, Leroy, that just portrays a total misunderstanding of both electoralism and power. Right. Yeah. That tells me that shows me somebody who does not understand power. Right. Yeah. And just like you said, making the AOC comparison, guys, it's not about AOC. It's not about Castillo. Right. If you are a proper machete Matista, you would know that already. Yeah. I mean, not to get into this, like, honestly, I'm utterly tiresome argument now about electoralism versus whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think if there's one unless you're just like someone who is just so completely ideologically opposed to you know what do we always talk about the kitchen sink approach was just to to try everything literally try anything whatever works works right 
I mean, the purpose of of running socialists in, into you know for office, at least from my perspective, has always been not so much you know the personality or getting so, like a particular person in the in office and then magic you know presto changeo it's done, yeah. but that they allow and they allow the cause as a whole to advance. Um, you know, it's it's the question is you know who would you rather be dealing with in office? Would you rather be dealing with like a left winger who might be more sympathetic to your project and thus more pushable? Um, or, you know, like, uh, uh, Fujimori who is just going to fucking like throw you in jail and like Mer sterilize your mother, you yeah. know what I mean? And I, I know that's like harsh language and, you know, and I do apologize for the, for those, you know, for those listening, but like, that's, those are the stakes, you know what I mean? Again, don't want to get too fucking bogged down into this, honestly, just fucking boring and exhausting argument electoralism. But yeah, that's, that's my two cents. Yeah. Um, just quickly before we move on, I think Austin, you said it perfectly. It's a massive misunderstanding of of power. So when people are like, ha ha, see, I told you about Castillo. I'm like, like if like I, I don't understand how you can call yourself a communist or Marxist or what the fuck and think that the left has any sort of legitimate power in like the system. If if we held that amount of power that you think that we have, just make these decisions. What the fuck are we doing? Like there, there'll be no point in organizing. You know what I mean? Because we have the power that we need when that doesn't exist. So shut the fuck up. And again, before we move yes. on, the one thing to keep in mind, again, at the end of the day, again, with the whole boring talk about electoralism, here in Peru, just like in Bolivia, just like in Ecuador and every other place that we talk about, is going to come down to the social movements, the mass movements. Mm -hmm. And from what we heard from Austin, all the organizing the indigenous groups and labor groups in Peru have their shit together. They know what they want. They know what they need. They're organized and we need to be in support of them. We need to lift up their voices and support them in everything we do and continue to critically, critically support Pedro Castillo and the leftist project that they're trying to build. As disappointing as it is, um, because again, what's, what's, you know, whatever the fuck. Austin, do you have something to say quickly before we move on? I was just saying, I totally agree. Los Pueblos Originarios. You already fucking know. Sorry, go ahead. 100%. Anyway, this is something to keep your eye on because hopefully it doesn't keep sliding into the wrong direction. But again, we'll keep you updated with something we'll keep our eye on. And it's. I think this is actually a good case study in putting our money where our mouth is as, you know, principled Marxists who believe in the dialectic and shit like that. But um, go ahead. Got, got, got two fingers. And also, our, just sorry, just like... And also some of the slight differences in in the three of our politics, actually, you know, um, yeah. and our and our analysis of what's going on, because we believe in diversity of opinions. Yeah. yeah. Well, you'll find out is that consistently I am on the camp of the working people. So you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> uh, and consistently, Austin has to get the last word on um about him. But um, nah. <laughs> hey, you guys could have cut me off. Nah. We'll keep the ball rolling again with something to keep an eye on. We'll move up to our periodic conversation about Honduras. Some interesting, weird things coming out of, of Honduras. Um, I think we've talked about it before. I think Austin has definitely mentioned her before. Um, Berta Cáceres, the, the environmentalist activist who was murdered a couple of years ago in Honduras. Apparently, there was an attempt on her on her daughter's life just the other day. And this is a massive deal. Um, one, because it's an assassination attempt. Two, on a prominent figure of an assassinated person and three weeks, a month before the, the 
a monumental election that's taking place that, um, again, we're not 100% sure, but according to latest figures that I think we saw, um, has Xiomara Castro, who's the wife of Manuel Celaya, who was the coup president of um, of the Libra Party, she's, she's in the lead. Um, so if fuckery's afoot, we're seeing that ratchet up as, as, as we speak. Okay, guys. The most critical mistake of this podcast is getting any of us talking about Puerto Rico. We're about to make the second most critical mistake of this podcast, getting me talking about Honduras. Y'all fucked up. We're about to go <laughs> off. Okay, so Berta Cáceres. Wow. I think a lot has been said. I, I think a lot of people are familiar with that name, right? Berta Cáceres, right? Championed as indigenous environmentalists across the world, right? A shining example of somebody who gave up their life to protect the mother earth, right? That's what they say about Berta Cáceres. You know what they don't tell you about Berta Cáceres, guys? You want to know what they don't tell you about Berta Cáceres? Is that she was a Libre militant, right? That she literally went to El Salvador during the Salvadoran Civil War and fought with the FMLN guerrillas, right? That's what they don't want you to know about Berta Cáceres. They would love to just portray like this sort of like Yaku Perez-esque image of just the envir- the apolitical environmentalist. There was nothing apolitical about Berta Cáceres, right? And that's important to remember. And that is why she was assassinated. That's why they've targeted her daughter, Olivia, right? And I, I know not just Olivia, but a lo- uh, her other daughters are also kind of like politically active. Olivia Suniga Cáceres is a member, <laughs> is a deputy in the Honduran Congress as yeah. a member of the Libre Party, right? This isn't just about the Cáceres either. This is a an orchestrated campaign of violence against the left wing in Honduras that has been getting perpetrate, perpetrated for the last 10 years plus. Since the 2009 Honduran coup d'etat, coup d'etat, right? Since the coup d'etat in Honduras in 2009, it was decided that the left has no legitimate place in electoral politics in Honduras, right? It's too inconvenient for the United States, too inconvenient for the right wing in Honduras, right? Libre was cheated out of the presidential election in 2013. Libre and when they parted up with Nasrallah were fucking mind-numbingly cheated out in 2017, right? Amazing. And now, here in 2021, as you mentioned, Leroy, Libre, starting to lead in the polls, which is astonishing to me, right? And granted, in Honduras, you know, we'll we'll see what the fuck happens. Like, uh, what's amazing, and I encourage anybody, if they didn't listen to the last episode we talked about on Honduras, I think I gave a, a decent breakdown of the presidential candidates, right? All interesting characters in their own right. Very critical presidential election coming up next month. Um, this campaign of violence against Libre, my God, I think we'd be remiss without mentioning that also recently a uh, mayoral candidate, Neri Fernando Reyes, a candidate, a Libre candidate for mayor in the department of Choluteca was assassinated. They killed his ass, right? They are killing Libre militants. Right now they are killing Libre militants in Honduras to preserve a right-wing hegemony that was put in place by U.S. tax dollars just 10 fucking years ago. Amazing. Uh, And on that point, um, you know, yeah, hundreds have been killed. Uh, A couple months ago, actually, uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Roberto David Castillo, uh, no relation to Pedro Castillo of Peru, uh, a former Honduran Army intelligence officer, 
uh, U.S. trained and president of uh, the hydroelect of, of an enormous hydroelectric com uh, company. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Desa was uh, uh, found guilty earlier this or a few months ago of ordering the hit. Yeah, ordering the hit. These are multinational corporations who are involved in the assassinations of these activists. I would not be surprised is that if his conviction recently, this this recent wave of attacks is is revenge by these elements, by these reactionary elements, both in private capital and in the government um, because of this. You know, there was too much bad press. It, the uh, the the story of the assassination got you know big in the developed world. Or you know the first world, uh, the global north, the 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 monstrous hegemon, um, and so basically the Honduran state had to do something, quote unquote. Um, but like this is this is private capital getting involved in these murders, my friend. This is the sad history of Central America, and the place that the world order has chosen for Central America. Right? You're talking about activists getting killed by private businesses. That's what United Fruit was doing in the mid 20th yeah. century in Central America, right? This is literally what our world order has decided is the fate of Central America to be fucking whatever the fuck done to them by global capital, by U.S. business interests in particular. T, you just said a guy helping set up a fucking hydroelectric electric dam is the person who put out the hit. And the president, exactly. The yes, president this the motherfucker. Company. Yes, David Roberto David Castillo. Right, this motherfucker, literally, is the one that led that put out the hit to kill Bart Casares. Right, it's amazing what business interests and capital feel emboldened enough to do in Central America, which is why I uh, cold sweat goes down my spine when I think about this Honduran election. People getting killed, right, left and right. You know, like this is. Uh, well, just left, but you well, know what the fuck I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Boom, got him. Don't know who we got, but we got him. Um, no, but the yeah. uh, oh, yeah. yikes. Um, no, but the grim fucking, grim fucking jokes. Yeah. You can only <laughs> yeah, we're moving. Pa we're moving past here. We're moving past it here. No, the uh, here's the thing though. I go back, like I see Libre searching in the polls, and I go back to another motif we talk about, guys, on this podcast, which is you can get rid of the figurehead. The people don't forget the gains, right? How can anybody in Honduras look at the past 10 years and think, yeah, the coup was a positive step forward? Nobody can fucking think that. Maybe Juan Orlando I Hernandez mean, and uh, the narcos, like he got rich, right? You know, <laughs> maybe them. But for the average Honduran, even the average, like, Mark, who's like, oh, yeah, you know, we had to stop those communists, right? I mean... What the fuck? Like, it's been a sad, fucked up 10 years for Hondurans, yeah, right? It's the, whenever you hear in the news, the migrant crisis, I remember it was a big deal during the campaign in 2016. Oh, hundreds of migrant children have showed up at the border. Those were Honduran kids. During the Trump administration, Fox News would raise alarm, but oh my God, there's a caravan forming in Central America. Those were formed in Honduras. <laughs> Literally, nobody can look at the past 10 years and not think, wow. The coup was a massive step backwards for Honduras. You keep talking about like the coup ten years ago. Can you just remind me who was who was president of the United States? That would be Barack Obama. Who was who was Secretary of Whoa. Who was Secretary of State? That would be Hillary Clinton. What what party are they? Whoa. 
I think they're Democrat. I don't know. No. In- interesting that. Interesting that. Um, it just goes to show that at the end of the day, like I mean, we, we both of you touched on it. This comes down to maintaining the power of capital, and we and we can't overemphasize that it's over even the remotest, the smallest challenge to capital's power. You know what I mean? Because if you go back to we talk about Guatemala. Guatemala is probably the big, you know, landmark moment when we talk about Central American coups and CIA and shit in Central America. It was because our Benz came and said, yeah, maybe some of this land you're not using that you own, maybe we should give it to, like, just that's a suggestion. And that precipitated a 50-year civil war, you know what I mean? And I think to your point as well, Austin, is that the reason why these coups and these massacres have been for lack of a better term, so successful, right? These the genocides have been so sex, successful in like erasing indigenous villages and erasing people. You know what I mean? Is because the average American, the average person outside of Latin America, couldn't couldn't name a country on the map that's not America, right? People could probably point out Brazil and South America, right? They might be able to point out Chile. You know, it's just the long one on the coast or whatever. But ask your average gringo to point out Honduras. Where's Honduras? Probably couldn't tell you. Where's El Salvador? probably couldn't tell you. You know what I mean? Mexico, they could probably say because Mexico's a big hegemon, but the countries, so from Guatemala to Panama, couldn't tell you, And which is why the United States keeps getting away with this, why capital keeps getting away with this, why all these coups keep 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 happening. Because the, the knowledge, the familiarity with the region is lacking so much that they, it's impossible to form any sort of solidarity with them. You know what I mean? Dude, million, million million percent dude this is why we do this podcast this is why we emphasize political education right here in the united states at the bare minimum leftists should be educated on this shit at the bare minimum and it's sad how many are not right it's very sad how many are not even educated in what the government of the united states is doing to other places right in 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 in, in like empire like it's yeah it's all very depressing and sad. But the last thing I will say here is that God bless Libre. We'll see. It's impossible to be even re- like, here's the thing with Peru. There's nuance. My God, it's Peru. We've got Castillo as president in Peru. Almost nothing could happen. That would make me think, Oh my God, everything that happened was for nothing. Almost nothing could happen. That would make me think that in Honduras though, it's, I am physically incapable of being uh, – let me broaden it out. In Central America, I'm physically incapable of being optimistic about literally anything, right? Just because of, (laughs) once again, Central America's role in society, in the global economic order. And and I want to be optimistic about Honduras and the polls, but it's it's hard to. Yeah, 1,000%. In saying that, look at a map, learn your Central American geography because – I know I'm better than Austin at geography, so if you want to join the club. Oh, my friend, you <laughs> fucked up. Nah, you fucked up. Oh, Quick, pop, pop quiz. Pop quiz, what's the capital of Costa Rica? Costa Rica, oh, San Jose. Like, already... Oh, San Jose. no. Uh, pa- Panama. What's the capital of Panama? Panama, Panama City. Uh, Honduras. What's the capital of Honduras? Negocigalpa. Oh, boy. Okay. Anyway. Belize? Whatever. No, you can't. You Belize? ain't got Belize, though. It's Belize. It is. No, it's Belmopan. No, it's Belmopan. Belmopan's not the capital, is it? I think Belize is the capital, but Belmopan's the largest city. Or maybe I'm getting that shit backwards. Anyway, whatever. It's a tie. I'll give you the points. You're good. We'll call it a tie. But um, one of the better decisions we'll make today is ending the show with Puerto Rico. And 
when I say that Puerto Rico has been a fucking cartoonish shit show the last couple, I mean, the situation in Puerto Rico perpetually is a cartoonish shit show. But these last couple of weeks has been like unfucking believable. So again, we'll finish off Puerto Rico. Another big week. Um, along with the continued blackouts, including one at a professional basketball game. And with this basketball game, it's funny because they were supposed to play this like last month or something, but they had to cancel it, postpone it because there was a, a blackout. They they replayed the game like the other day and there was a blackout in the middle of the game. So during the replay of the postponed, whatever, blah, blah. This, this is what I'm talking about when it's almost like cartoon, cartoonishly like shit show. Um, anyway, the government effectively entrenched the power of the Colonial Financial Control Board. So La Junta, uh, PC-1003, as the House bill is called, was passed by the Senate. Um, the bill has been called the Debt Adjustment Plan, which sounds an awful lot like, what's that thing that the IMF and World Bank does to Global South countries? Structural exploitation? Structural, structural something, structural adjustment, I think. Um, you know, the thing that bleeds them dry and economically devastates the masses? That shit? Um, this, this is the big one. So for all intents and purposes, this will allow the board to carry out whatever it deems necessary to get the debt the un, unaudited debt under control there's been massive organizing of students in the university of puerto rico system as they plan for mass protests in the coming days since 2016 students have seen tuition increase by 169 percent while the university system's budget has been decreased by 51 percent this bill calls for getting UPR a fixed budget of 500 million for the next five years which would mean it will be operating at an eight million dollar monthly deficit there will likely be um, consolidations of campuses including the campus in utuado um, which has one of if not the best agricultural schools in puerto rico the field that i personally believe should be the focal point for a solve in puerto rico but it's all good because as resident commissioner jennifer gonzalez celebrated on twitter anaheim mendez university a private university was granted a $275,000 grant to develop the quote agriculture diverse learning program in puerto rico by the way, the leaders of this university are major donors to the Jennifer Gonzalez's pro-statehood PMP party. The bill also originally called for an 8.5% cut to pensions above $1,500, but that was actually successfully scrapped thanks to the agitation by unions, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Puerto Rico is desperately broke and is being systematically strangled. But I almost forgot it's okay. Because as Governor Pierre Luisi enthusiastically announced, Puerto Rico will be hosting Ryan Seacrest and the Dick Clark New Year's Eve ball drop at a cost of $3.6 million. But it's okay again, because they'll just take it out of the $1.5 billion Puerto Rico got from the Federal Rescue Fund. This is just a fucking clown show. It's, it's a fucking clown show. Like, it's... We're seeing people, like... Like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try to get my words like together because I'm just gonna start stuttering. I'm gonna start tripping over my words. But people literally cannot keep their fucking insulin refrigerated. People are starting to ration their fucking medication. People, are, we had this conversation with with um with Paul last week talking about the the issues with just the electrical grid. Not even mentioning everything else. And these motherfuckers are spending millions of dollars on fucking vanity projects. Like do you. 
I think at the moment, Pierluis is in fucking Italy in Milan at some sort of convention to try to stoke more tourism, whatever the fuck. You're, you're cutting university programs, agricultural programs, and fund, funneling that money to like private universities. In Utuado, Utuado is in the center of the fucking island. It's close to Hayuya, like where your family's from. And when I talk about talking about indigenous people, the Utuado is one of the centers of what's called like indigenous Puerto Rico, right? There's there's what we call semis, so like in, indigenous monuments, statues there. So this is a direct attack on that. This is a, this is fucking capital. This is fucking disaster capitalism. This is the fucking bullshit structural adjustment. This is neoliberalism. This is colonialism. This is, if you're not enraged listening to this, because it's just so blatant. Like it's, they're passing these laws saying like, we're going to take all the money. You're going to be worse off. But at the same time, we're going to fucking drop millions of dollars over, over fucking here where people can't feed their fucking families, man. Someone take over before I fucking get angry. Before I get angry. Yo, yo, we talk about places with fucked up positions in the economic world order. Like, God, Puerto Rico, Jesus Christ. Like, talk about a place that's literally just designed for just pure, raw exploitation, right? It's kind of remarkable. Um, echoing some of your sentiments there, Leroy, like, T and Leroy, I think when... I, or should I say we, first got involved in, like, DSA work. I remember I felt one of my responsibilities was to be, like, as connected and in tune with everything that was happening in, in Puerto Rico as, as possible to try and transmit this information back to the United States. But I'd say after years of depressing stories, after years of just seeing the corpse of Puerto Rico just get picked at again and again by vultures, right, like you say, Leroy, it's it's hard. It's impossible to read or address any of these stories and not get blood boilingly mad. And like for me, and this is a super depressing thing I'm about to say, super defeated. Like yeah. how the fuck yeah. can something like this happen and not be a massive news story like covered by all of the U.S. left? How is this, is this these not are, like these are scandals? Is, these are fucking. How is this not this is scandalous? How is this not seized upon? by the socialist movement throughout the hemisphere, right? Look what's happening right now. My God, like people, like something I and, and I used to say to you, we used to say to each other back during like the hurricane, like the, the hurricane period when the blackout was like for a year long, which is if Puerto Rico doesn't like, like will, is Puerto Rico even going to exist in like 50 years? And I hate to like utter that sentence, but like, is that where we're at? Like, look at all three of us. We're not on the islands, right? Is Puerto Rico going to exist in like 50 fucking years? And I hope any leftists or socialists or people who consider themselves decolonists or whatever the fuck who are listening, I hope you think about that sentence and think about what the, f like, we got to be. Mm, we got to be doing more to bring awareness and attention to this struggle internationally. Like, I think about the the Palestinian struggle, right? I think about struggles like like I think about the Zapatistas, things like that that have really resonated with the U.S. left. Why is Puerto Rico incapable of resonating with the U.S. left? Why is it incapable for any leftist or socialist in our hemisphere to even give the slightest fuck about Puerto Rico? It's the American patriots. This, it's the <laughs> it is the the disaster capitalism model. Um, rings true in on the islands you know as paul noted on our uh interview with him last week if you haven't checked it out please do um i 
the so you know what the law essentially is doing is speeding up a process and skipping over the steps that uh, these uh, institutions thought that they would have to go through the next couple of years. Um, so even with like the Luma, the privatization of the grid, that's been a slow process. It's not going to be fully completed for I believe a decade, uh, if I recall correctly. Um, but what these new laws do are just hastening the further privatizations on the island because, again, you know, capital has a plan for Puerto Rico. Capital's plan for Puerto Rico is what did you used to say? What do you used to say, Austin? Um, they want to make it uh, what Dubai, Dubai of the Caribbean. They want, it, yeah, they want it to become the playground of of the rich. They want an island, a, a set of islands where you know whoever's left after everybody's been pushed out into new diaspora waves whoever's left will work as the pool boys and the fucking like uh, bartenders at highly exclusive bars and resorts on newly privatized beaches that used to have the homes of fisher fishermen um that used to have the homes of farmers that used to have the homes of people of you know with their own businesses um you know this is you know <laughs> We're anti-capitalists, of course, but, you know, getting even beyond that, they don't even want Puerto Ricans to, like, run their own capitalist firms. Mm -hmm. It's 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 beyond even that. They they don't even want they're not even trying to to stimulate a, a Puerto Rican capitalism. What they there it is a purely exploitative arrangement. Yo. They're using the repeated disasters, the repeated uh, breakdowns like so they're using the breakdowns in the grid which are the result of underfunding from the government right as well as the attempt by as well as the privatizations which have only hastened the the rolling brownouts that have been happening they're then using this as as an excuse to to further do more privatizations it's like <laughs> I, I mean i the analogy i like I, the, cu the cure is more of this Dude, it's to me, it is because Puerto Ricans have had a place selected for them in, in the global society, and it is to be perpetually exploited. You're not allowed to have your own industry, right? Your role in global society is manpower. Go die in U.S. wars, right? Go work bullshit yeah. service yeah. jobs in the continental United States, right? That's your role in society. Actually setting up your own businesses and engaging in this capitalist enterprise or whatever the fuck we're doing? Fuck no. That's not your role in society. Your role in society is to be exploited in perpetuity. Yeah. There's 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 a there's a whole lot to unpack here and shit like that. But like on on, on that point, like we always talked about solidarity with all the other colonies. Like, look at fucking Hawaiians. Look at the what do the native Hawaiians do in Hawaii? They work those fucking bullshit service jobs for all the gringo tourists, like from the from the from the metropole, right? They do those fucking stupid jobs that like exactly what you're talking about. And you've made a comment about like private beaches and shit. I remember I remember years ago, my family went on a cruise through like Central America, right? We went to Honduras, but by Honduras, we went to Isa Roatan, which was the I love Roatan. Of, it's 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 beautiful. It's poor as shit, but it's beautiful. The water is so clear. The water is so clear there. It's 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 amazing. Um, but one thing that struck me is we went to Belize, but when I say we went to Belize, we went to a like fenced off, like little port village that was just for tourists. What you saw was 
actual native, I don't, I don't know if they're native, but like the locals, but, but people from Belize on the other side of the fence, trying to haggle with you and challenging shit through this fence that they're not allowed to go through. And as soon as you get off the boat, what do they tell you? Don't go over there. It's too dangerous. They'll rob you. They'll kill you. Just stay here. And it's this pristine white sand beach with like beautiful, like whatever. And it's, it's all fabricated. It looks like the set of fucking like parts of the Caribbean or some shit. You know what I mean? But that's exactly what they want for Puerto Rico. And just quickly, T, so then to your point that you started with, talking about how skipping steps or whatever, that's the exact rhetoric a lot of the people who supported this bill used. They said, oh, we pass it. We can get it done. They can, the junta will leave sooner. And like they're, the, the people who voted for this are proposing this date of like 2023, I think. And everyone's saying like, you must be fucking out of your mind if you, if you think that's going to happen. Because what this does, it gives the junta so the financial control board more power to basically decide what to do. So if they decide it's going to take them fucking a hundred years to accomplish this, they're going to be there for a hundred years. Like it's, it's, if, 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 if you support this shit, if, like if you support statehood, if you support any of this shit, like you are a fucking clown, man. Like I'm like, I'm sorry. You're a fucking clown. Richie Torres. Yeah, for real. Fuck Richie Torres. All my friends hate fucking Richie Torres. Um, to your point about no domestics, you know, nothing. Puerto Ricans can't have anything of their own. A, a really comical example of that is the fact that 75%, and I mentioned this last week, 75% of Puerto Rico's electricity and power is generated by petroleum products. Do you know how much oil is produced and refined in Puerto Rico? Zero, none. It's entirely imported. Um, About another, what, like 10% is natural gas. About sustainable energy is about 2%. Get this, in the newest proposals from FEMA about uh, redoing the grid, they're going to put in, they want to, there's no money for renewables and they want to build two natural gas powered uh, power plants. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't it amazing? How they try to convince us, no, capitalism, it's just like the natural order of things. There ain't nothing natural about any fucking thing we've just talked about in the last hour. Fuck no. This, there's a great, there's a, yo, hold on real quick. I've been rereading Open Veins, right? And like, the there's a great quote in there that Galeano has from Karl Marx saying something to the effect of, ah, people act like sugarcane and all this other bullshit is natural. This shit wasn't even in the Caribbean before Europeans were there. This shit is the opposite of natural. Capitalism is the opposite of the natural world order. And I feel like it's at its most visceral in the Caribbean. But that's me speaking as a biased Puerto Rican. You know what is natural in Puerto Rico? To your point, T. Wind, the sun, mm. waves. You yes. know what I mean? If if we want to talk about things that are natural, those things are fucking natural. I think I read a paper once, or I skimmed through a, like a, this university a paper once, talking about how Puerto Rico could could realistically generate eighty percent of its energy needs from tidal technology. You put like a tidal yeah. thing like in the Caribbean, eighty percent of it. I don't know how viable that was a while ago, but I remember if, like it's it's. Look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an engineer. I don't know how like the mechanics of the shit works, but it seems pretty simple to me that you know here's real quick here's the problem leroy puerto ricans have been chosen by our world order to be perpetually exploited 
So what? Is there money in them making their own energy and having fucking tidal energy? Fuck no. Who's going to get rich off this shit? Puerto Ricans are here to be made rich off of. If we're not able to make riches off of them, what the fuck's the point, right? That's uh, that's what the, the top-hatted capitalists would say. You know, it bears repeating, too, that, you know, as we move, you know, into the climate change world that we're in and, you know, uh, the importance of downscaling production and consumption. Yes, I said both. Yeah, um, production. The importance of, of, yeah, you know, both of it, honestly. Um, it, it's important to remember that, you know, getting beyond the, you know, fossil fuels is crucial. We have to lower you know, and, and part of production would be, you know, if we if they were to build these sustainable plants, because, you know, the materials that go into solar panels, all that shit has to come from somewhere. It's still trapped within the logic of extraction. Yeah. But in order to transition to that steady state economy, which is necessary, getting rid of fossil fuels is the first step. And if Puerto Rico could produce power domestically, if they could produce power domestically without being reliant on petroleum products that they don't even have that or that they have to import is is absolutely crucial. We're not going to get to a steady state. Of co- We're not going to get to a. Uh oh, I'm about to say it. Are you ready for this? You ready for this? We're not going to get to a society that devalues degrowth Ooh. without that transitional period of sustainable energy. Buen vivir. I'm trying to grill and chill. Well, yeah. I want a buen vivir. I want to live good. Yeah, that's what I want. The good living, yeah, yeah. But uh, that's that's my two cents. And that's why we're planning on moving back to the islands and buying land and rematriate fellow Yo. Puerto Ricans. Yo, yeah, yes, actually. No, in all seriousness, like we had this conversation the other day. Like I, I think I. In the chat, I'm like, yo, you know, we make, you know, the true and non money or whatever the fuck, you know, we should buy land in Puerto Rico or whatever the fuck. Oh my God, he said it. No, he revealed but, our master plan. No, no, but no, there's no, there's no, de- I mean, there's details to that. I, I'm not going to divulge or whatever, but I started thinking about it. Like, my family has a bit of land in Puerto Rico. Like, I'm going to inherit my grandma's house. My, my mom has land right next to the house that I'll inherit. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, we could do that. That'll be the land. But then, like, that'll mean my, grandmother has to you know and like i love my grandmother more than anything in the world besides my son maybe um so that's bittersweet um anyway that's i think that's the dream moving back to puerto rico starting a fucking like permaculture like regenerative fucking farm and shit go ahead awesome here's the thing white people you fucked up here's why you fucked up we're all gonna move back to puerto rico and i can tell you why i'm gonna move back to puerto rico spite I'm moving back out of spite. That's the hundred percent. Whenever I, whenever I read these stories, I think, wow, they're really trying to kill the islands. They're trying to kill what it is, what it means to be Puerto Rican. So fuck y'all. I'm moving the fuck back with all my light blue fat flags. Right. And I am embracing what the fuck it means to be Puerto Rican. And that ain't never going to fuck away. It's like, yo, Austin, I heard you move back to Puerto Rico. What are you doing down there? Spiting, man. I'm just spiting. Yes. Literally. I'm I'm making, I'm making the haters mad. Just I'm by grilling. existing. I'm growing over here. Yeah. Anyway, we'll put a bow on that. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. A lot, lot of going on. We're running kind of kind of long today, but you know, it's important shit to talk about today. 
And again, literally, just like I said, if you support what we do and you support our grand dream of moving back to Puerto Rico, now, nah, but in all seriousness, you want to join our, you know, our, our book club, Discord community, access to the After after Dark um, episodes, consider showing your solidarity on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Um Again, we commemorate you know, Indigenous Peoples Day because it's through them that everything like needs to happen, right? Because we're our, we're all on occupied land, we're on their land, and the shit that indigenous people have gone through through the last five hundred years, and our you know, and um, our Afri- Afro-descendant people in the Americas as well have gone through over the last five hundred years, is unimaginable. Um, but with that said, thanks for tuning in. Uh, stay tuned for a few things that are in the works. Um, but yeah, unless you guys have anything else to say, um, oh, before, I almost forgot. Also, we commemorate. The assassination, the murder of um, Ernesto Che Guevara yesterday, the day before. Um, just, just quickly, there's a reason my son's name is what it is, and there's a reason why we always end the show with the phrase "hasta victoria." Um, but with that said, "hasta la victoria." Peace. Later, y'all. <laughs>